Dear friends, my name is John Bergen, and you're listening to The Word is Resistance. A few weeks ago, I went on a walk with a mentor and elder, uh, someone who leads trainings around the country. And as we were walking, he told me about this frustrating pattern he keeps encountering in groups that are eager to be more involved in social movements, especially middle-class groups. He said, every time these groups hear more bad news about what the far right is doing, they take it as a sign that we are losing. Every attack on a synagogue or black church, every new detail about the detention and torture of children at the border, every day that right-wing leaders deny action on climate change, it can feel like a loss for our side. So I thought about my church community here in Philly and how true that is for many of us. In addition to the overwhelm, the grief, the anger, and the pain we feel when we read the news or attend the vigil or pray for our neighbors, we also often feel like we're losing. And this feeling can eat, eat into us, slipping into our bloodstream alongside the weight of just seeing the world as it is. It can make us feel so small. So many people in my community, and I include myself as one of them, are giving up hope. We ask, what use is hope? Isn't it just a lie we tell ourselves to get through, or we say, white supremacy and capitalism have been around for hundreds of years, and climate change is a foregone conclusion. All we can do is love each other as the ship goes down. Or, I'm going to focus on a couple friends around me and support them. That's where I feel hope right now. And these are real and honest, and they are true things to say. But my mentor was frustrated with this. We have no concept of polarization, he said. Organizing is not a zero-sum game. In fact, the right is getting more violent precisely because people's movements are going, gaining power. As things get more polarized politically, both the left and the right gain strength. Some people on the right are looking at us right now asking, how can we divide them? They're getting so much stronger. We have out-and-out -out socialists running for president and politicians talking seriously about climate change and universal health care. What a time to be alive! We should be excited by this moment. I will admit that while I intellectually agree with this, it is true that in periods of polarization, which you know often come as a result of rising economic inequality, both right- and left-wing movements gain strength while centrists that have claimed some sort of political common sense are exposed as nonsense. I... I I struggle to agree with this emotionally. The state of the world is bad. It just is. We are good at focusing on the pain and problems. Heck, the last time I was on this podcast, back in September, I talked about telling the truth about what climate devastation means and will mean. Being honest about what we can really win and what we can't. I said... The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. That line from Jeremiah. I still deeply believe that we can shape our future, that we need to be organizing to take and shape political power to shift off of fossil fuels and create whatever sustainable infrastructure we can, but we need to keep doing this organizing as things get worse and worse. The future is not lost. Our descendants, our children are not lost, but their world, our world, remains a place of uncertainty and apocalypse. I was on a roll at that last time. But, but I want to lean into that other feeling this week, lean into that idea that what we pay attention to grows. So today I'm going to spend some time paying attention to what we're winning. I'm going to brag about our movements.
Welcome to The Word is Resistance. On this podcast, we ask, what do our sacred stories have to teach us as white folks about our role in resistance in showing up for liberation? The music you heard is a live recording of a song gifted to the freedom movement by Dr. Vincent Harding, We Are Building Up a New World. The group you hear singing is No Enemies, a multiracial group of activists and musicians in Denver, Colorado, who come together for movement choir practice to bring singing back into direct actions and other movement spaces. This particular choir practice is from December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. And we are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and Surge Action. Surge, or Showing Up for Racial Justice, organizes white people to take bold action against white supremacy. This podcast aims to resource us in that work, which means it's for everyone, but it's geared towards white people working to build our resistance muscles. So we welcome your feedback and especially appreciate feedback from and accountability to listeners of color. Our lectionary texts this week begin with a warning about bragging, or more specifically about pride. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen, or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise, so the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous, therefore judgment comes forth perverted. I, I will stand at the watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Look at the proud. Their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. That's Habakkuk 1, 1 through 4, 2, 1 through 4. Habakkuk warns us of the pride that comes before the fall, of not believing that an apocalyptic moment of unveiling and truth-telling will arrive. We know next to nothing about the writer of this text, but the dialogue and liturgy of the book seem to come from just before Jerusalem's sacking at the hands of the Babylonians. So Habakkuk, or possibly Habakkuk, is right to worry about choosing pride instead of faith in the face of an overwhelming invading force. No one remembers the words of preachers proclaiming, everything is just fine, these prophets of horse-blind centrism. Habakkuk warns us that we celebrate ourselves at the risk of not seeing the world as it is. Prophets always invite us to try and see what we cannot see, to see the systems of violence and oppression, to see them as unstable and unsteady, and to recognize that our pride and our faith in the structures prevent us from this seeing. Reverend Ann talked about this last week when she said, Part of the prophetic imagination is that belief that there is some bigger divine purpose being worked out, some mystery beyond our knowledge, and maybe we don't understand it. For we are warned at the outset this week not to celebrate ourselves too much. The first Christian Testament reading 
for this week is from 2 Thessalonians, a letter that is primarily concerned with this same theme. Most of it is concerned with warning us about the end times and reminding the readers to keep a clear head about the state of the world. But it begins with this greeting. Therefore, we boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. To this end, we will always pray for you. What a way to start a letter. Maybe we have a theological duty to boast about our comrades who are doing good work, to celebrate them and lift them up and affirm them in the midst of all they face. Maybe our faith can only be sustained through the celebration in the face of adversity. Maybe focusing too much on the suffering of the world is a different form of pride, pride in our ability to analyze and understand, to make sense of suffering. Or maybe it is self-centeredness. When I have been in deep personal grief and pain, it is often something from outside myself that helps me see hope. Interaction with a friend, the beauty of the world, a song, something that briefly decenters me and shakes me from my place of sadness. The piece of the lengthy Psalm 119 that is included in this week's lectionary reminds us to sing God's praises, to brag about what God is up to in the world, to celebrate what is good and true despite the world's frailty and imperfection and loss. So I believe we have a duty to celebrate and brag about our friends and comrades who are not giving up the fight. The world as it is demands praise, joy, and rejoicing, not just grieving and weeping. There are good things at work in the world. What a time to be alive. The first movement I want to brag about is the labor movement. Last week, United Auto Workers at General Motors voted to return back to work after their longest strike since 1970. Across the country, 48,000 workers held strong for over a month, living on just a couple hundred dollars a week, and ultimately cost GM $2 billion in profits. That's billion with a B. Here's what they won. A pay raise first and covering of the wages lost during the strike. Second, investment in factories that would otherwise close protecting thousands of jobs, including jobs building electric vehicles. Third, a process for temporary workers to become permanent. And fourth, healthcare costs not increasing, something that the company was definitely going to do. While they did not win everything they wanted, the sheer fact that they stayed out and stayed together, that they did not break ranks, should bolster all of us. In Chicago, the most radical teachers union in the country continues to set new standards for what workers might be organized to take. Teachers and public support staff have been on strike for over a week, at least at the time I recorded this, demanding that Chicago public schools provide housing assistance for new teachers, hire staff members to help students and families in danger of losing housing, and take other steps to advocate for more affordable housing overall in the city. Chicago teachers are telling the world students' living conditions are our classroom working conditions. In one of the most expensive cities in the country, housing is a human right. Of course we will go on strike for the well-being of our students. This framework is called bargaining for the common good. It recognizes that workers have the power to make demands on the system and improve the lives of everyone in their community. Instead of isolated demands, these teachers recognize 
our interconnection. Instead of thinking small, they dream big. And their dreaming has shifted the leadership in unions across the country in LA demanding greater social services for students and families, especially immigrant families, in Oklahoma and West Virginia demanding pay increases for all state workers and decreased tax breaks for fossil fuel companies. This framework could transform how the working class fights for itself, and its vision demands an equal vision from faith communities of congregations standing alongside unions and fighting for a livable world for all of us. The second movement I want to hold up are the young people in Sunrise Movement making climate change an issue that no presidential candidate can ignore. I have to start this with a, a pretty embarrassing confession. A few years ago, over drinks one night in West Philly, a friend told me he was going to move back to the Midwest to help start a new organization that was going to organize young people to make climate change an issue that could determine elections. And I told him, good luck. And I laughed at him, seriously. A year later, he reached out to me to tell me, not only are we going to make climate change a voting issue, we're going to get dozens of college students to drop out for a semester to organize. And I, I laughed again. I didn't think it could be done. And then last fall, cohorts of young people doing that sunrise semester organized a sit-in at Nancy Pelosi's office and made the Green New Deal a national issue. Then some of those young people escalated. They told the Sunrise leadership they didn't want to go back to school. They wanted to keep organizing. So a year later, as a new cohort of young people dives headfirst into climate organizing, as teenagers around the country start chapters or engage in their first direct actions, we see the power that comes from believing that young people can lead. We see them wearing their fear, their grief, their anger on their sleeves, or literally on their shirts that read 12 years, and we see a change in the climate of climate change politics. A few weeks ago, I got asked to train marshals for the climate strike here in Philly, and I'm often skeptical, see a theme here, of large marches and rallies, but I was excited to see and support young people taking the lead on organizing a march for several thousand people, and I was not disappointed. Instead, I was deeply moved to see teenagers stepping up and leading, both the thousands that turned out and the dozens who organized the event. I saw them create a diverse speakers list full of entirely youth who were mostly youth of color. I saw them negotiate with the police, hold their ground against other adult organizers who wanted something else, improvise when the crowd got too large, and ultimately create an empowering action for their friends and comrades. All of this comes from believing that young people can lead. Who would you want to hold up and celebrate? Who do you want to brag about? Maybe it's a local movement. Here in Philly, the largest oil refinery on the East Coast is currently shut down while organizers fight to keep it closed and win reparations for impacted neighborhood people. Also here in Philly, teachers at the Community College of Philadelphia and workers at WHYY, our NPR station, are fighting to unionize. This week in Philly, domestic workers won the most comprehensive protections of any city in the country. Who around you is dreaming big? Maybe it's Jewish organizers fiercely resisting anti-Semitism and white nationalism. Or maybe instead of dreaming big, you want to lift up someone who is dreaming small but deep. Maybe there's a local reclaimed abandoned lot turned into a garden, a healing space, 
or a new set of relationships that are transforming your community. Celebrate them. Let them know you love them. Brag about them. Tell the truth about them in this moment. Because our world needs it. Today's call to action is very simple. Send a note of appreciation and encouragement to someone in some other movement letting you know you love them and you're cheering for them. Send them a care package if you can, or post on social media bragging about what another movement is up to. Tell them in some way, therefore we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. To this end, we always pray for you. Maybe take special attention to reach out to and celebrate movement led by people of color, working class people, or rural people. This can be one way of shifting your own overwhelm, grief, or burnout. Or if you are so deep in your own work, I know there are elections next week, ask someone else to reach out and send you a love note. Thank you for joining me today. As always, let us know how it goes by commenting on our Facebook page or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you're using. You can find out more about Surge at showingupforracialjustice.org and our podcast lives at SoundCloud. Search for The Word is Resistance. You can interact with us there if you have questions or need help with action ideas. Transcripts are available on our website, which include any references, credits, and copyright information. And thank you, as always, to our sound editor, Max Pearl, for putting this together. Blessings to all of you as, con as you continue in the work of being transformed, of transforming this movement, and transforming the world. Yeah.